Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Seeking Tranquility by Amy Schischler Christy McLean and her child prodigy sister Molly are alone in the world. Alone until they arrive on the island of Chincoteague, Virginia. Like the famous ponies that roam the area, Christy and Molly flee to the island to take refuge after a tragedy leaves them marooned and unanchored. To stay afloat, Christy will need to make unforeseen sacrifices as she navigates the waters of life. Against the beautiful backdrop of the Virginia shoreline, caring islanders and shy aerospace scientist Jared Stevenson help Christy find the faith and tranquility she seeks. However, just when everything seems perfect, Jared's hidden past disrupts their peaceful existence, plunging the entire island into a sea of lies and danger that will change their lives forever. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamaker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today, I have Amy Schisler. She's a novelist, poet, children's author, reader, traveler. I can't even go on because it's such a long list. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about all the many things Amy does. So welcome to my show, Amy. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. So I'm reading your bio, which listeners you can get with the notes for this podcast. And I noticed that you have quite a few um, things that you do. So how do you juggle? I mean, it's a lot of different writing. And, and as, as um, my reader listeners will, will might know or might not know, um, it's a lot of different writing. I mean, if you write, like I write romantic suspense, but that's a lot different from writing even straight romance, even writing nonfiction narrative or memoir. I mean, it's a lot. So how do you balance all the different genres and types of writing that you do? Well, I guess the easiest way to answer that is that my writing has evolved over, okay. over my lifetime. So um, up all the way through college, from, from the time I was a little girl through college, I really wrote poetry and mm -hmm. some short stories. Um, but poetry was, was my main focus. And um, I graduated from college. I went to library school. I was a librarian for about 15 years and I um, have always loved fiction. Fiction has always been kind of my, my escape from everything. So I'm constantly reading fiction. And when I decided that I was gonna write a book, which of course, all of us who write, that's always something yeah. that was in the back of our minds. Um, I just naturally went to fiction and um, not necessarily, I always say I didn't start out writing Christian fiction, but it was there. Yeah. It was in my books. It's part of who I am. So it was definitely always there. And as I, the more I write, the more that has become um, a real cornerstone in my books. And as that has happened, it has kind of pulled me in these other directions. Um, I, I write a blog. And so the blog is just inherently nonfiction, just in, in being a right. blog about my life and my family and all of that. So, um, so switching over to some 
nonfiction kind of things just happen gradually, but also very naturally. Um, my, my couple books I have that are devotionals, one that I wrote and the one I wrote with some friends uh, really came out of my blogs. Um, and then just based on writing and the other things I have going on in my life, because I, I'm an inspirational uh, speaker, I lead trips to the Holy Land, um, that kind of took my, my writing to that next level where I've actually written a Bible study that is being shopped around right now. So we'll oh. see what happens with that. Yeah, I, and, I, and I love uh, what you said about, well, two things, um, about your writing evolving, um, because I think that is very important for us as authors is to, we should look back at our first books and maybe not cringe, but maybe go, oh, I can see how much better we've gotten. I mean, I- oh, absolutely. I certainly don't want my first book to be like my peak. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. In fact, whenever- um, somebody says, oh, I recently read your first book and I loved it. I kind of think, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think about, I mean, but, but then, but then there are some people like Harper Lee to kill a mockingbird who wrote one book and it's just so fabulous. I, I, I can believe why she never wrote another one. Right. I mean, top that. Right. Um, but I love that, you know, as writers, and almost every writer I've ever spoken with who has written more than one book and desires to write more than one book will talk about <clears throat> constantly improving our craft, right? Improving Absolutely. the way that we plot and the way that we develop our characters and the way that we inter interweave our faith into it, all those things. Yeah, I definitely hope that, you know, my writing is better than it was. <laughs> my other books are better than my first ones and that, and that should be good. But I, Obviously, we still want readers to enjoy every one of our books, but right. as writers for that. Um, and the other thing that I love that you said was that you didn't start out to be to write Christian fiction, but it was always there in your books. Yes. Yes. And I, I think it just like I said, it, it's 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 who I am, not just a part of who I am, but who I am. And so I think now looking back it, it was inevitable that, that, that had to be a part of my books from the very beginning before I ever intended for that to, to be one of the things that my books were about. Right. And I think that that it just touches on, I think some of the tension in the Christian writing world mm -hmm. is whether you consider yourself a writer who is a Christian or a Christian writer. And I think you can kind of do both. Right. It's interesting you say that because I just had um, not one of uh, not a, a post on my blog site, but a, a blog or post that I was asked to write for another site. And that was exactly what that topic was and, and talking about the difference between it, it was really about how um, Catholic or Christian writers like I feel like our time is now it's necessary we need to be writing and we need to have these themes in our books. And so it was talking about whether you're a Christian writer or a writer who's Christian. Yeah, and I think that just to explore that a little bit, because I think it's, it's always fascinating to me, um, 
is because I think even if we never mention God or Christianity, our work should still be infused with those biblical principles, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm a, I, I write, I'm a freelance writer. So I have clients in the corporate world and association world. And I, you know, I do a lot of writing for the convenience store association. And, you know, if I'm writing about Slurpees, I'm going to write the best Slurpee story there, you know, there ever, there is bring integrity to my interviews, the way I collect information, the way I do it. So that, you know, they'll know it's written by someone who has these worldviews. They may not know that implicitly, but it should be there in my writing, no matter what I do. And I think that that's a hard, that can be hard for some Christians in general to understand. And I think that it goes the other way too. Not only what we put into our writing, but what we don't put Mm. into our writing. My very first book. Um, that I sent off to publishers, I had, I had one of the top publishers in New York who actually read it and got back to me and said, love the book, love the writing, love the concept. We need you to add in some sex scenes. And so I had to make the decision. There are very few people whose first book gets read by one of the top firms and actually gets a response to that. So I had to make the decision. Do I leap and make this my career where I could really be something off of my first book? Or do I stick to, as you said, the integrity of my writing and who I am? And I just said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Right. Yes, exactly. And it, it reminds me a lot of what we write, because you mentioned sex scenes and how, you know, I mean, Christian books should not have... (laughs) sex scenes in there, whether between married couples or not. I mean, that's just, we should not, I mean, right. We can, we're not going to go down the rabbit trail on what constitutes a sex. We're going to leave that. But so my, so my point is that, um, I think there's a lot that we can play with and bring back that tension, right? Because that's really what we want our readers to have, because, you know, we are attracted to people. Right. And how does that, you know, but how, how can we write that in a way that's honoring to Christ and still has that truth to it? I liken it to when my kids, when my um, kids were younger and they first heard somebody say a curse word, you know, (laughs) and, you know, we talked about, especially when they were going to middle school where, you know, in elementary school, they cracked down pretty hard on the language on the bus and everything. Middle school is like a free for all in the hallways. My kids went to public school and, or go to public school. And I remember talking with um, my oldest or girls about it. And I just said, I said, well, I said, I want you to listen to how they're using it. I said, because they're using it in place of a heck of a lot of words. Yes. Right. I said, and what does that tell you about, you know, how they think and what they do? And they were like, oh, right. And so then one of them came back and she's like, mom, she goes, I realized they don't really know a lot of words. <laughs> it yeah, was really kind of something I've always tried to get across to my girls. Yeah. If you have a good vocabulary, you don't need to use those words. And I think the same with our writing. I just use that as an example. And the same with our writing. We have a rich vocabulary of ways that we can highlight that attraction between a man and a woman who aren't together, but maybe want to be together. 
in a way that will give readers that satisfaction right without that titillation that right. just because it's easy right having sex in your book is easy it's much harder not I, I actually had this dilemma in one of my books where I, I had a couple that they finally get married. They finally, there's all these things that have kept them apart. The fans have followed them through two whole books waiting for yeah. this moment. And when it went to my beta readers, including my husband, they said it, it was just they on their honeymoon, you know, their wedding night, they closed the door. And I had several of them came back and said, it's not, it's not enough for us. We need some kind of satisfaction after waiting all this time for them to have this special moment. And so it was a real challenge for me to go back and write that scene up to a certain point right. where I, I was able to maintain the, the beauty and the integrity of the scene, but also give the readers kind of that satisfaction they were looking for. And that was a real challenge. But I have to say, it, I actually ended up doing that. And it, that was in, um, it's called Island of Promise. I really kind of faced the same dilemma last year when I wrote The Good Wine. And I felt like, I felt like anyway, I was able to, to, to do what needed to be do, done in those. And in fact, I will say that that scene in The Good Wine is probably my favorite scene that I've ever written in any book, is right. the wedding night scene. Yeah, and I think that it's important to show the the beauty of married um, physical intimacy with, but yet not, we don't have to spell it all out. Right. I mean, imaginations are there for a purpose. Absolutely, I agree with you. Yeah. Is that we want it to be, you know, touching and, and, and um, you know, give readers that happy ending that they want and that they desire. So um, anyway, I think we're out of time, out of time, Amy, but thank you so much for being on my show. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And, and my next book is um, Seeking Tranquility comes out on June 15th. And that's the first book in a new trilogy. So great. And um, listeners, like yeah. And listeners, you can listen to a, um, a short excerpt from that after right after I end the show here. So thanks again, Amy. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hamaker, and I'm so glad you joined me. Today, I've been talking with Amy Schussler, and she is a prolific writer, and you can learn more about her in the notes for this podcast, and also stay tuned for an excerpt from Seeking Tranquility. Now, an excerpt from Seeking Tranquility by Amy Schussler. The bell on the front door jingled. I'll go out, Christy said. Yell if you need me, Diane called, reaching for a potholder to pull the trays from the oven. She heard a male's voice and the sound of surprise in Christy's cheerful response. Setting the pan on the cooling rack, she peeked into the storeroom. Yes, please. Assorted would be great. The young man pushed his glasses up onto the bridge of his nose and looked around the shop. How do you like it here so far? Christy asked as she added donuts to a box. I don't know yet. This is actually my first trip onto the island. I've only been here for a week. 
Where are you staying? They clearly knew each other, which Diane found interesting. Christy didn't seem to know anyone except the few people she worked with and Molly's teacher. They've got a few cottages on site for interns. I share one with another guy. He's from Lancaster in Pennsylvania. Christy's hand stopped midair and she smiled at the man. Yes, I know where Lancaster is. Oh, sorry. His face reddened as he pushed up his glasses again. A nervous habit then, rather than a poor fit. I didn't know if you were from this area. Christy resumed packing the box. From the western side of the Chesapeake Bay originally, but yeah, the mid-Atlantic area. What about you? Where are you from? A few different places. I've lived in Massachusetts for a while now, college and grad school. He looked away, seemingly embarrassed, and Diane wondered why. Boston? Christy asked as she closed the pastry case. The man shook his head. Cambridge. He looked away again, and Christy's mouth hung open for a moment before she closed it. Oh, she said, before tucking the wax paper neatly into the box. The big H. Fred went there, too. Yeah, I know. He was one of the reasons I applied. I always hoped maybe he'd do a guest professor gig there or something. Christy smiled. Actually, he would have liked that. He was a fantastic teacher as far as Molly was concerned. Wait until you meet her. She's going to blow you away. Diane watched as Christy walked to the cash register and rang up the order. The man, he really was quite cute with that curly hair, those big blue eyes, and his adorable shyness, reached into his pocket and produced a credit card. Can I use this? It belongs to Nassau. No problem. Any coffee? We really do make the best around. Eh, we've got one of those Keurig things, but thanks. Diane smiled at that. But maybe... Christy looked up. Maybe I could get one to go, since you said it's the best. He gave what almost passed for a smile his cheeks flooding with color, and Diane's own heart pitter-pattered. Yes, he really was adorable, and just about Christy's age. Okay, Christy said, let me get that. Um, can we go ahead and run these through first? I don't want to charge the coffee on this card. Christy stopped and nodded. Oh, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Thanks. The young man watched Christy's hands gracefully run the card, but when she looked up to hand him his receipt, he quickly looked away and took it with a nervous but polite motion. Cream or sugar in your coffee? No, thanks. When Christy stepped away to make his coffee, his eyes followed her every movement, from picking up his to-go cup to filling the cup from the spout to carefully sealing the lid. Only, Diane realized, his eyes weren't on her hands, but on the hair that streamed down from her ponytail, and the bit of her face that he could see when she turned to reach for the lid. As she turned around, he blushed again, 
and looked directly at the cup she was carrying rather than her face. It was a beautiful dance they orchestrated as Christy made the coffee, glided to the register, and finished the sale while his eyes followed her back and forth behind the counter, as though mesmerized by the sway of a honeybee in flight. She was completely unaware of the effect she had on him, and Diane smiled at his attempt to keep it that way. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.